Electronics are taking over. They're integral to every aspect of our lives, even the bedroom. This week, we talked to Suki Dunham, co-founder of Oh My Bud, a company that makes a line of iPhone and iPad-controlled female pleasure products. Suki used to work at Apple, where she learned a lot about product design, packaging, and marketing, which she applies to her business selling high-tech vibrators. My name is Leander Caney. I'm the editor and publisher of Cult of Mac, a blog about Apple, and the New York Times best-selling author of some books about technology, most recently a biography of Johnny Ive, Apple's head designer. Caney's Corner is a new weekly podcast. Every week I'll be interviewing a guest about the world of Apple. I've got some great guests lined up, including a bunch of ex-Apple staffers, who will talk about their work and working with Steve Jobs. I've also got people like an iPhone case maker who'll spill the beans on the competitive and shadowy world of case making. Being first to market is worth millions of dollars, and these guys do some crazy things to get the specs of Apple's upcoming devices to get the jump on the competition. I'll also talk to app makers and IT guys and recyclers. It's a big Apple world out there, and there's tons of great, fascinating stories to tell. Did um, So I think we met you guys at CES um, a couple of times. I'm sure, yeah. We, you've been there? Yes. Um, actually, Oh My Bod's been going there for six years now. Okay. So, yeah. This was our right, sixth yeah. year. You talked to my wife, Tracy. I just looked it up just now. Um, uh, she did a story about you uh, in 2012. Oh, okay. Okay. So we didn't connect then in, uh, in 2016. Because that, oh, no. that was a big year for us at oh, CES. Oh, yeah? What, what, what happened? Uh, we actually won Best of Show in Digital Health and Fitness. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So, and what was that? For, what was that for? It's for a product that we gave as a sneak peek there um, and released this June um, called Love Life Crush, which is a smart Kegel exerciser. So it's app enabled and basically allows uh, women to um, basically practice their Kegel exercises and strengthen their pelvic floor muscles. And it's measuring. Um, your strength, your endurance, um, your max strength, all those different things. You can track your progress over time. So think of it as kind of a Fitbit in a way for your pelvic floor muscles. How does it measure um, your your progress? Um, Well, there are sensors built into the product, um, and that, of course, is um, inserted into the vagina, and then the user is... um, is basically doing their exercises and these sensors are measuring um, the pelvic floor muscle activity and registering that to the app and uh, via Bluetooth. And then that's basically how then it, it stores that data for you and then over time you can track your progress. Uh, and uh, what does it measure exactly? Well, it's measuring, um, there's four different um, categories. It's, it's pressure, endurance, max strength, and um, what's the fourth one? Um, control. Okay. So those are, the, those are the four kind of criteria or categories for measurement. I mean, the thing about Kegel exercise, um, for people that don't know anything about it, is the purpose of exercising those muscles is that you can improve them over time no matter what your age is. So as we age as women, that muscle gets weaker and weaker also due to childbirth, not just age. And so um, over time, that's why women, postmenopausal women often experience incontinence, um, which is basically like bladder leakage. And so the idea is when you 
master that muscle and you exercise that muscle, you can basically keep incontinence at bay. Or oh. even if you're already experiencing it, you can improve that. So a lot of people go immediately to kind of the medical uh, response, which is surgery. Um, and so just even by, by doing this exercise, you can help to improve um, improve that for yourself. So it's, it's meant, these exercises are meant not only for postmenopausal women, but people preparing to, for childbirth and then people covering. So post childbirth. So, um, and also pelvic floor exercise and, and strength, um, also has to do with your core. So a lot of times, sometimes if you go into a doctor and you're complaining about back pain, they're often asking you to do core exercises, and part of that is also Kegel exercise can oh, help okay. improve that. So. so it's useful for that too. Yeah, yep. So we should probably back up, Suki, and um, can you tell me about um, your company and, and how you got started? Sure. So um, Oh My Bot actually has been around for 10 years. Um, I can't quite believe that part. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it, it's hard to believe sometimes. Um, and uh, I actually uh, used to work at Apple. So I came from, um, from the Apple environment. I was in worldwide product marketing and uh, for desktops and displays as were the was a part of the organization that I kind of supported at that time. And so what, what years were you there? What I was, was there from 95 to 2002. Okay. So I was there um, kind of at the tail end of when Steve came back and we launched the iPod and uh, the iPod was just starting to take off, the iPod phenomenon um, as it was. And yeah. um, Which of course transformed the company. It, it did, it did, yeah. <laughs> it was... It's funny to look back on it now because, um, I mean, Steve was truly brilliant. Um, when I think about uh, the employee communication meeting where he kind of laid out and, and used digital lifestyle for the first time, and everybody's adopted that that uh, nomenclature now or that terminology, um, I remember hearing it for the first time and I thought, hmm, wonder what that actually means. <laughs> and then uh, we launched the iPod and, and the iTunes store and all the things that went along with your digital lifestyle. And, and now here we are, you know. Yeah, right. And it definitely is a digital lifestyle, yes, isn't it? Every exactly. single thing we do. Exactly. And of course, that, that's, that's what Oh My Bod does too, right? So that's, can you explain that's what true. the company... So Oh My Bod, we got our start 10 years ago. Our very first product, uh, we're basically, we make um, high-tech or tech-enabled pleasure products. That's basically what we do in a nutshell. Um, our very first product was actually called Oh My Bod, um, and it was and is a vibrator that connects to, at that time, an iPod and would vibrate to the beat and the rhythm of the music that you were listening to. And, um, yeah, that's how we got our start. How did, I mean, how did it connect? Did, it, did you used to plug it in with an audio jack or something? Exactly, yes. Okay. So it, oh. had, uh, it comes with, we still sell it today because people still love it. Um, it has a, a cord that would go into now, say, an iPhone, um, and then it kind of splits off, and there's a jack to go into your to your uh, headphones, okay. so you could listen to your music yeah. and, and use your vibe. That was my next question. Yeah, how did you listen to music? And yeah, so you were your listening vibrator? to your music with the splitter um, connected to your to your headphones, and then obviously um, that was um, moving or trans 
transferring the audio to a cable and the, the vibrator itself has um, an audio chip in it that's translating the audio into on-offs to turn the motor on and off so it's basically vibing to the music. I see, okay. Um, so that's how we got our start. And then, of course, as technology um, had changed and as we had gotten... Um, let's say more sophisticated as a company, we moved to a wireless version. So there's Freestyle, which was our whole line of Freestyle vibes are all basically music-driven vibrators that are wireless, and that's using RF. So there it comes with a little RF transmitter. You put that into your phone. The other side, on the other side of it is a, uh, a plug for a headphone jack or to put it through a speaker system even. So if you're using... Um, a freestyle product with a partner you could both be listening to the music and it's and the products vibrating to the music so we had that and then most recently of course now we've moved um, to bluetooth so we have a line of products called blue motion and all of those products are bluetooth enabled um, vibrators so in that case you could be um, in California and I could be in New York City and you can actually control my vibrator via Wi-Fi uh, with a Bluetooth connection. Via Wi-Fi? Yes, yes. Okay. And um, do you have any interesting stories about that? Do people, <laughs> use, do people use that? Yes, they do, actually. They use it a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people, obviously, that have long-distance relationships. The, the globe has gotten very small, um, as I'm sure you know. And uh, so there's lots of people that travel all the time that want to stay connected to their partners remotely. Um, or maintain a long-distance relationship. We also have a lot of interest from our military customers. So if you can imagine you're in Afghanistan and you haven't seen your partner in eight months, it's a great way to maintain that level of intimacy with that partner remotely. So we have all different kinds of customers um, that that enjoy that feature. We've even had, we did a kind of our own testing, and um, my husband and I run this company together. Uh, We've been together for a very long time, um, coming up on uh, almost 30 years. And um, so he was on an airplane uh, connected to the Wi-Fi and was able to control my vibe on the ground. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> you joined the Mile High Club, huh? Exactly, <laughs> remotely. A remote Mile <laughs> High Club. Not <laughs> even being there. So the, the first question that popped into my mind is, do you have a male version of this, or is it just... Um, We're actually, we have that in the works. So, uh, yeah, we have that in the works right now. I hope to release that in uh, January of 2017, because, of course, um, we have a large uh, male population which would love to be able to... Um, experience that that uh, same thing so yes okay cool and, and um, what is is music good for um, controlling a, a vibrator um, I think it is I mean how the the idea of oh my bod um, as a product idea came about was actually through personal experience so like I had mentioned um, I worked at Apple and then after leaving Apple, I actually left Apple and we moved back east. So we had been living in California and we moved back east because I had two children and I wanted to raise my children and so be a stay-at-home mom for a bit. And during that time, my husband was still involved in in a corporate role in another company and he traveled a lot. Um, He traveled to China almost once a month. And uh, so... Uh, one Christmas he bought me an iPod and he bought me a vibe 
and um, it was my first one and I had two small kids and he was traveling and it's really hard when you're a mom and you're kind of on your own basically kind of single parenting it um, to sometimes get into that sexy mode because you're in mom mode. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so the music for me was a way to transport myself out of my my typical daily role Hmm. into Mm -hmm. a different place. You know, it's my my example of it is always if you're in the car and you've had like a horrible day at work and you're driving home, but your favorite song comes on, it totally changes your mentality. That's funny, I had exactly that experience yesterday, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's, you know, it's it's a dual sensory experience. People also are in love with their music. Sometimes people ask me what what music works best. Well, I was going to say, what what music do you like? Yeah. yeah, Please don't tell me it's, uh, you know, Barry White. (laughs) Well, I have to say, I do have a whole play mix of old school stuff, which I really love, Um, old R&B stuff. But it really is a unique to the person and what they connect with. You know, there are customers that love punk. There are customers that love country. There are, you know, people that love hip hop. So it's it's really what what sets you in the mood and in the groove (laughs) as it is, you know. So there's no one particular kind of you know, genre music that is that is better for this application? Um, not necessarily genre. I mean, there's certain definitely music uh, or song um, types that are better. So if, if you think about hard rock, as an example, there might be a lot of drums. And so when you think about how the vibe's going to respond to it, it might respond in almost more of a uh, a stable way instead of fluctuating. Whereas in hip-hop, where you have beats going up and down you you get you know a different experience so every song's different i had uh, one young student um college student ask for a vibe because she was uh writing a paper i can't even remember for what class it was in particular but she was testing out classical music so you know there you have it (laughs) (laughs) did that work uh she seemed to enjoy it from what, what the feedback that i got from her so yeah, yeah. Okay, well, because um, I have to try it out. <laughs> it's, it's. Uh, yeah, I can imagine what um, what it's going to be like. So, did you experience that Apple um, help you with with uh, with launching your own company? Oh, most definitely. I mean, um, first of all, I'll say it's an amazing place to work. I loved it there. Um, I loved all my colleagues. There's a lot of bright, smart people there, and it's always fun to work with smart people. Um, as it related to kind of running Oh My Bod, um, I learned a lot about uh, what Apple always called the out-of-box experience. So I tried um, the best I could at at Oh My Bod to replicate a great out-of-box experience. So as an example, we have a line of products called Love Life. And that particular line of products, we spent, I spent a lot of time thinking Um, and agonizing over the packaging and the one thing that I love about it is is that when a customer opens up that box it feels like they're opening up a gift whether it's a gift that somebody has given them or a gift to themselves and uh, that particular product line won um, a good package design award which is really cool Um, and that line it's the design of that line actually won a Red Dot Design Award in 2014, which is which really which one cool. was this? Which it's called our Love Life Collection, and so the first seven pieces that we designed won the Red Dot Design Award in 2015. 
And so the antibiotic, the, the out-of-box experience, I mean, everyone knows about, you know, unboxing Apple products and, and the packaging is very, very beautifully done. Is, you know, was there, um, uh, I, I'd read about, you know, back in the, the early days of the Mac that the, the packaging was designed to introduce all the different elements piece by piece as you unpackaged it. Mm-hmm. Do, uh, was that, you know, part of the philosophy of the, uh, the, uh, the out-of-the-box experience? Um, for sure, and on the oh my god side, what I tried to do is it's almost like um, like when you open a Love Life product, you actually see the user manual first. I want the customer to see that so that they take a look at it in case they have any problems. But I, the other reason why I put it there was because I want them to have to remove that to then see the product. It's like reveals itself. It's hidden, you know, and it's a little hidden treasure that they have to find. Um, when they open up the box so it's kind of part in my mind of like you get to the present um, the gift that you've given yourself or somebody's given you so that was kind of my philosophy around around our unboxing Um, the other thing that we we did around our packaging is um, each of our products has a unique pattern that actually relates to the design of the product itself so we really went in deep and kind of took apart every piece of of the puzzle puzzle as it related to the packaging and that's very kind of apple-like because there's kind of no uh, uh, stone left unturned when it comes to thinking about each piece of of the the besides the product itself i'm sorry what do you mean exactly so there's a different texture on the product so the texture is reflected in the packaging um there is so um as an example the button design on the love life products is a heart shape it's a particular heart shape and so that heart shape is then replicated in the pattern say of a disc it's love life discover is a product name so love life discover has a pattern um, on the outside of the box that's made up of the the same heart shape that's part of the design of the product is is made into a pattern on the box and then um, love life cuddle also has its unique pattern on the outside of the box that also relates back to the button design so that that's what I mean okay and 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 the, the packaging I take it is is uh, you know sort of uh, uh, a good quality packaging it's it's somewhat luxurious like you said to reflect that it's a gift even if it's to yourself exactly yeah very much so and yeah very much so it's it's very it's a beautiful package okay it's not like a uh, you know one of those horrible bubble wrap things that you have to cut open with a pair of scissors not at all i mean that was one of the things when we started oh my bod and when we first got into this this industry of course we didn't know anything about it we didn't come from this world a lot of um, let's say uh, toy companies that have been around for a long time um, entered the space coming from say the uh, adult film industry um, we came to this basically with the vision of a consumer electronics product so um, our packaging um, and our goal has always been to make um, high quality approachable uh, sex positive female friendly products yeah, it sounds like there's quite a um, difference in the, and you know, is there a difference in the philosophies there? <laughs> it sounds like there might be. Yeah, difference in philosophies world. compared to um, <laughs> well, the adult some film companies world. that have been around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I would call us a boutique um, company, and I would say, you know, there are several of us, uh, a handful of us that all came into the industry around the same time, a few a little older than us, but 
all with the goal of kind of raising the bar as it relates to these products because before the entry of boutique brands um like you had mentioned people were just throwing products into plastic clamshell um packaging um the the quality and the materials that were being used in products back in the day weren't what they are today Mm -hmm. so um i think that the boutique brands kind of help to elevate the entire game and the entire um, pleasure products industry as a whole. This episode of Kane's Corner is supported by TunnelBear, an award-winning service that gives you fast and private access to the internet. TunnelBear is a virtual private network, or VPN, that guards your privacy and security while online. A VPN is a must-have for any public internet usage. If you log on at a coffee shop or the airport, it's crazy to do it without a VPN. TunnelBear works on all your devices, computers, tablets, and phones. It's by far the easiest to use and best designed VPN I've encountered. It's so easy to use, my mom, who's in her mid-70s, routinely uses it to watch TV in the UK. She lives here in San Francisco, and she uses it to get a UK IP address, which allows her to watch UK TV shows that are blocked over here. It's not just the UK, you can browse like you're in the United States, or Germany, Japan, India, or dozens of other countries. It's dead, dead easy to use and super secure. Nothing is logged. It's all super private. TunnelBear's been used by more than 10 million people. I've been a paying subscriber for a couple of years and my mom and brother too. Go to gettunnelbear.com, that's gettunnelbear.com, and create a free trial account. If you use that URL, TunnelBear will know that we sent you. Again, it's gettunnelbear.com. So thanks to TunnelBear for supporting this episode of Kane's Corner. And so what about marketing? I mean, <clears throat> do you take an Apple-like approach to marketing? Certainly. I mean, if you if you look at any ad that you'll see of ours or if you go to our website, you'll see it's it's sexy, but not over the top sexy. Again, we don't want to scare anybody away um, and that our you know, it's just untastefully and beautifully and clean designs. And that's how we kind of approach everything that we do. I see you got an ad there. It looks like the old um, Maxell tape ad. Exactly. Actually, I'm so happy you said that because there are a lot of people that don't remember that ad, but that was my inspiration for that particular <laughs> um, photo shoot. So Yeah, you have to be a certain age, I think, to remember that. Although, yeah. I, I've seen it actually more recently. And uh, someone, um, uh, it was referenced, it's been referenced a bunch of times. Someone had a big high profile campaign that, um, that referenced it oh, okay. uh, a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. So, um, did um, uh, w- when you were working at Apple, could you could you talk a little bit more about what you what you did there and and who you worked with? Sure. I'm, um, I'm interested in the process at Apple. You know, like because uh, Apple's so secretive, and I don't know mm-hmm. if you can talk about that. Can you be frank about it? Well, you know, I I have a lot of colleagues that still work there, and I have really good friends. Um, what I can tell you, when I was there, and things changed. So, um, I was in worldwide product marketing, and Apple set up where they have product marketing managers, and those are the folks that are obviously working with engineering to launch products and make feature trade-offs and decide what the roadmap looks like, et cetera. And the organization that I was in was also under product marketing, but took a more analytical side to that. So we were kind of um, a support structure for product marketing managers. And we did things like um, I had a more analytical role, so forecasting, pricing, um, competitive analysis, things like that. So that was kind of the role that I was in. Um, but obviously had exposure to 
um, things from product marketing to operations, you know, weekly ops meetings and things like that. So um, that was what my group did uh, back in the day. What is the what is the relationship between product marketing and the engineers? You know, I think the perception is that 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 you know Apple isn't a marketing driven company. Uh, is not or takes, is? I'm sorry. It, well, I, I would say the perception that it isn't. Although obviously it takes marketing very very seriously and and has been a you know a, it's had a huge impact. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it used to be derided, didn't it, back in the day that um, you know Apple was always sort of dismissed as a marketing company mm-hmm. when, when it wasn't like a hardcore tech company. You know, a bit when the megahertz wars, when mm-hmm. when right. Intel chips were faster, and and you know there was it, the power PC chips never sort of uh, you know were were, were, com- were comparably you know seen as not. You know, Apple wasn't sort of seen. It was like a toy, right? You know, remember mm-hmm. the first when the Mac came out? It was like a Fisher Price toy, right? So um, you know, but of course, you know, marketing has been extremely central to to what apple has done mm-hmm. and to transforming the whole electronics you know the consumer electronics industry and now everyone apes apple you know and, and copies it mm-hmm. um everything from the marketing to the design mm-hmm. but you know marketing is interesting because um i, I think um and anyway you know i'm sorry the, back to the original point was that i think the perception is that apple isn't driven by marketing it's driven more by design oh that's a that's kind of a hard one i i guess what i would say is um that it's driven by by uh, the goal to produce and make and design really great products. I mean, that's you know out of just out of really Steve's playbook, right? Insanely great right. products. That's at the center of what they do, and then the marketing and everything else in my mind rolls out from that. And that's why but- when you think about a package or you think about. Um, you know the the smallest detail on a product whether a corner is rounded or not rounded you know that all plays into making a great product so you know or how a button reacts or what's the tactile feedback on something i mean that's you know at the end of the day you can have the best marketing in the world but if your product isn't any good then people will buy yeah, it and then they'll right absolutely trash talk but, it, but marketing so. Marketing does, like you said, you mentioned earlier briefly, didn't you, that marketing does play a big role in that because, you know, you're looking at things like feature, you know, what features have to go into it, price points. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what, are the other point, what are the other parts that marketing plays in the, at, at the sort of design stage? Hmm. I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think back because it's been quite a while since I've been there, but I just don't remember having really conversations about marketing before we had a product, you know what I mean? I mean, like I said, it was really about designing a great product and the marketing comes after the fact. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to throw this in here so that we can market this. That's not how things operate there. Bob Bruner, yeah. Did you, did you ever meet, do you know Bob Bruner? He was the I know the, the name, original. but I, I don't think I, I met him. He was the one who founded the the design studio and 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 okay. um, within Apple and then uh, hired Johnny Ive and then right. when he left Johnny Ive took his job and became the head of design. Right. But he he said that you know when he got there, before design was uh, and he had he had to fight you know he he really had a fight it was, um, to to get design you know sort of at the at the at the table, mm-hmm. and he said they used to produce these really long documents and and a lot of it was driven by the sort of marketing managers you know where they come up with a list of competitive features mm-hmm. here's what our competitor has here's a, here's all the features we need right. they would hand that to the engineers and then between the two of them they come up with a sort of spec list and mm-hmm. and then the designers at the very end would come into you know quote unquote skin it right you know, uh, make a nice pretty box for it and he said that was all completely wrong you know they, they it should have been going from the customer experience backwards right. 
you, know, you design the, you know, what the kind of experience you want the customer to have, figure out what the product's going to look like, and then figure out what it's, how it's going to be engineered, how it's going to be made. Right, right. And I would say that they, they operate more like that today. I mean, I don't know when, when Bob Bruno was there, but, you know, I was there for, I don't know how long he was um, in charge when I was there, but Gil Emilio when he okay. was running things and yeah, that, yeah. that was a very different time you know once steve came back it was different you know um because steve cared about design it was important to him and so you know that's when kind of the tides changed so i could imagine in you know the information that you just told me that bob told you i could imagine that that was happening during um the the days of gil emilio because yeah. you know you had Dell in the market then, and and uh, you know Apple's trying to keep pace, and it was it was different. Where Steve was like, okay, we're gonna do what we do well, and you know focus on the products, and then everything else seemed to to flow from that. So right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever get to meet Steve? Um, I was only in a meeting with him once, and then of course I saw him in the cafeteria a million times, but. Um, I was sitting uh, in a meeting with him only once. I was kind of just in the background. My um, my boss at the time was really taking the lead. So, how did that go? Um, it went well. You know, I I've heard basically the same stories that everybody else has told. You know, he expected um, people to know what they were talking about when they were in a meeting, and if you didn't know, he was going to call you out on it for sure. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. were you nervous? Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Everybody was, uh, except for the folks that actually um, were working with him more closely on a daily basis. You know, you knew there there were certain people that he really respected their opinions, and and uh, so he trusted them. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he interacted with them a lot. Yeah. What about what about Gail? Did you have um, meetings with Gail? No, I was never involved in any of those those meetings. No, you know, Apple, of course, was like in a so-called death bar at the time. Yeah. <laughs> did um, did you get a, Did you have a sense of that? Oh yeah, I mean, um, I was going to uh, MacWorld um, at the time. Like Apple used to exhibit there when we exhibited there, and um, and you just had all these customers coming up to 